You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Comic Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, you know the deal. Like button, subscribe button. You can follow us there on, as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. And don't forget, this is a this is a bonus podcast because I wanted to get former Washington tight end Logan Paulson on with me. You'll hear about him in a second. What we talked about. But as a reminder, Bram Weinstein and I, the voice of the Commanders, Bram Weinstein and I, will be having our weekly. Um, live YouTube show at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. So join us for that. Go Again, it's as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E, and follow, go there, ask us whatever questions you have. It's, it used to be Therapy Tuesday, but man, they've kind of, they're putting the doctors out of business. So that's a good thing for you guys, but there's still questions. Can they keep this going? Join us for a good discussion. It's always good. We get your comments as part of the show. So please join us there. Anyway, so, but today I am joined by former Washington Titan Logan Paulson. I want to dig in a lot of things with him. We go over the run game, the quarterback situation, why he likes what Taylor Heineke is doing, the defense, what, what is different with Deron Payne. I think there's a subtle difference, and it's the addition of one player in particular that has helped Payne free up to become a better pass rusher this year, a more dynamic player than he had been in the past. So, And you'll find out who that player is, but it's a good point by Logan. Then we talk about integrating Chase Young back into the lineup, et cetera. And I think we had a good discussion there near the end of the podcast. Keep in mind that we don't know yet. This is a Tuesday, so we don't know yet if uh, Chase Young is even going to play. What they need to see, it's not about the health of the knee. Ron Rivera said that the trainers and strength and conditioning coaches have told him that there's nothing more they can do. It's really about Young getting used to football action again with that knee. All he's done is rehab for a year. It's tough to then go, and now you've got to do football stuff. Now you've got to go engage in combat against 300-pound men and then push off that knee with confidence and all that. So that's the last hurdle for Young. So they're going to see what they need to Wednesday and Friday to see is he doing that with confidence. So my guess is by Saturday morning, we'll know whether or not he's going to play on Sunday. Now, if they, maybe they keep it to Sunday, but this isn't about necessarily how his knee responds, responds to the daily grind as much as the confidence he shows in pushing off that knee. And when they start to see that, they'll get him out there. The goal for them would be 12 to 15, 12 to 16 snaps uh, for the for the foreseeable future and ramping it up to maybe the 20s or low 30s by the end of the year. Why would he come back now? Because he can play. That's why. And because he's a guy with talent that can maybe help them, even if it's in a spot or situational type, uh, type pass rusher mode, that still can help them. Guy like that, he has a ton of talent, a ton. That hasn't changed. So really it's about him getting used to it. He could be the difference between making the playoffs and not. Not many teams can bring a guy of his caliber in at this point. Now we know he hasn't played in a year, so there will be an adjustment. So be patient with it. 
but he can definitely go out there and help them if, you know, once he gets that confidence in knee and he's shown what they need to. So that's why. But anyways, Logan and I get into all that. You don't want to hear any more from me. You want to hear from Logan Paulson, and so do I. So here's my conversation with former Washington tight end Logan Paulson. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is the go-to betting place for NFL this holiday season. Same game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options, and a lot more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. More legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KIME, K-E-I-M. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, Logan, I, it's been a few weeks since I've had you on, <laughs> and things have changed here just a little bit. Yeah. So, what? just taking the big picture view, what have you thought about why this team has turned this around? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question. I, th- I think it's really coincided with the growth of some young players on the defensive side of the ball, and, you know, obviously the extremely high play of, Allen and Payne. And then I think understanding, you know, coaching philosophical understanding of where this offense is and how it needs to support the defense. And I think that's been one of the biggest changes. And obviously that's been characterized by this team running the football a ton, but I also think it's understanding what Taylor does well, how Taylor has elevated the offense. I know in like the national media, he's, he's not, you know, not the national media darling necessarily, but um, I think he does things in terms of avoiding pressure, understanding timing, throwing with anticipation that elevates the offensive line allows the offense to stay on schedule and alleviate some of the um some of the stress on the defense that they were experiencing through the first four or five games of the season so that's been really nice to see and i think probably the biggest shift and obviously you know is this tenable long term i think when you look around the league this is becoming a more popular approach so it leads me to believe yes but it the margin for error when you're playing games like this is very, very small. And I think we've seen that in uh, in some of the w- victories that they've had. You know, it's very, very close to being a loss because your margin for error is so small. But along with that, it, because you're right, the margin for error in this league is very small, but the coverage units have been good. The special teams have yep. been good. Mm-hmm. Joey Sly, Trust Way. Yep. The turnover margin has been very good. The penalties yep. have gone down. When you're doing those, and those were all the, you know, not all of it, but some of that stuff was not working well in the first six games or so. So when you're doing that better, it gives you a better chance to win five out of six. Yeah, and I think when you look at the Dallas game, for example, earlier this season, and just they tried to adopt the same philosophy. They tried right. to adopt this philosophy with Carson Wentz, especially after that rough Philadelphia game. They knew the pressure and the sacks and all that stuff was going to be an issue. So they came out and tried to run the football. And I think if you think back to those first couple of drives, there's a holding penalty, this false start, right? There's uh, there's just not playing disciplined football. That's They're not grounded. Yeah, not getting away with the same type of stuff or those mistakes right. in those high leverage situations are a big deal. And, and you mentioned the special teams, which I think is great. You know, the punt team has been awesome. I think Percy Butler and Christian Holmes in conjunction with Reeves have just been outstanding in terms of downing the football inside the uh, the 20 yard line and just being excellent coverage groups, you know, because people think 
you know, the punt team, all the whole coverage groups involved, but it really comes down to if you have two elite gunners, which they do, and those guys are playing at a high level. So props to that group because they, again, they put the defense in a good spot and really that's an extension of your defense. It's the first defensive play and they've done an excellent job executing that. And let's, let's go back to quarterback because that's obviously the topic of the week, but sticking with what you were saying about Taylor. And there were a couple plays the other day where it looks like he gets the ball just like that as he's getting hit, but it's because you hit that plant step and the ball's coming out. Is that some of what you're talking about or there's what other things are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, there was a play early on in the game or I forget where exactly, maybe the second quarter where, you know, they're running like an a gap pressure and the offensive line has to kind of squeeze it down, which is the same uh, play that, you know, they got a sack on it uh, against Chicago, right? They're they're bringing internal pressure from a five-man structure, and the offensive line has to work to squeeze squeeze down. Trey Turner does a great job kind of bouncing it back, gets a piece of the rusher, but he's still pretty clean. And, again, Taylor feels that pressure on the inside, takes kind of a false step back, gets the ball over the rusher's head to Logan Thomas for a 15-yard gain. I, you know, it's hard for me to say with absolute certainty that that would be a sack with Carson Wentz, but it probably is an incomplete pass or a sack, I would say, just based on the body movement and understanding where the ball needs to go. So, again, then there's another play where, um, you know, they're running a, a deep out. Terry's running a deep out to the right side That's of the formation. That's what I'm looking at, too, yep. Right, and um, and the I think the left guard, left tackle, misses on the block. There's a fast pressure, and Taylor's letting that ball go before Terry's even out of his break. So, understanding where the ball needs to go, understanding where the check down is, understanding kind of the subtle body movement in the pocket to get the ball out, I think is great. And I think, you know, that's one of the things he brings, right? He understands where the football is supposed to go in the offense, but he also has chemistry with the players that we're talking about. He has chemistry with Terry. He seems to understand he's starting to build that chemistry with Jahan. He has chemistry with Curtis, right? And so obviously chemistry with Logan Thomas had an excellent game in terms of throwing the ball where only he could get it. And so I think, if he can play like that, play with like relatively low, low pressure situations, right? And what I mean by that is those are high pressure situations, right. but don't make him do that, you know, 50 times a game. I think he can, obviously you can win football games. And Scott deserves a ton of credit for kind of shifting his approach. This was a team that we thought early on in the offseason was going to be characterized by the skill position players, specifically the receivers, but obviously the ability to run the football has really helped out, right? And it's not been the most dynamic run game in the history of the NFL, but they're able to kind of grind and claw and keep you in third manageable and convert in third and short with the run game. And again, that has helped Taylor Heineke, I think, exponentially. And I want to get to the run game in a minute here, but let's stick with quarterback because obviously, you know, Ron Rivera, how long Heineke keeps a job, it really – if they lose, let's say they lose Atlanta and he doesn't look good, well, Carson Wentz could be back out there for the Giants game. We don't know because Rivera's really not committing beyond right now. Yeah. Um, but when you have, a, you know, one of the things John Allen said after the game is, you know, Coach Saban always said that the locker room, basically the team, the players decide the quarterback. Do you think that kind of happened here with what you've heard coming out of that locker room about him? I mean, that's a great quote, by the way. <laughs> I love that yeah. quote. Um I think to a certain extent, yes. I think um, the team, and it's hard to say, right? It's hard to say because it's not a knock on Wentz. Like I'm not by that. It's more so about Heineke's popularity in there and just what the the personality of him. It's not designed to be a knock on Carson Wentz. Yeah, and the reason I say it's hard to say is because this team and their and the coach's understanding of the team is so drastically different. 
like their understanding that and 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 quite frankly the growth of the defense the defense has grown you get Forrest playing good football you get Bobby McCain at the NICU you get the additions of a guy like John Ridgeway you get the addition of Jamin Davis right who's playing at a very very high level right Allen and Payne and then all of a sudden the complexion of the team shifts I think I remember early conversations this offseason was like who is the defense what are they going to be right and I don't think anybody thought they were going to be this good right and so now the paradigm shifts right they are good enough. They're playing good enough to win you football games, right. win you tight games. So offensively, our focus needs to shift, right? Our focus needs to shift to running the football a little bit more, to kind of being more conservative, being okay punting. And I think that difference in approach obviously elevates Heineke because it, and it doesn't seem like it would because it's suppressing the, the 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 ceiling of the offense but it's suppressing the ceiling of the offense to support the defense, right? So as much as we want to say the team is fighting for Heineke, they're playing harder for Heineke, and I think there is an element of that, right? I, I just think it's multifactorial. I think the philosophy's changed, the complexion of the team has changed, and I think it also coincides with this idea that Heineke is elevating in certain situations where Carson wasn't. So as much as we want to say it's the team fighting harder for Heineke, I think the coaches have changed. The, the rosters changed. You know, the the take out um, William Jackson the third, right, and insert Benjamin St. Juice, and and that's a huge change, right? So as Thank much you. as as much as the team is picking Heineke, I think the change in this team coincides with a little bit of easier schedule and an identity shift that uh, that supports Taylor. I know that's maybe not the answer you're looking for. No, but no, I no, think, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think that, and I also think because when Carson was in there early on, the temptation was. You got a big arm quarterback. You got Dotson. You got McLaurin. You got Sam. You got Logan Thomas out there. Like, look at all these toys. Yeah. The, the temptation is to use them a lot more. And I also think too, Logan, that early in the year when Car- in, when Wentz was playing, Brian Robinson wasn't as effective. The line was a lot of guys in and out. You know, Trey Turner wasn't. I think Trey Turner's been very has been a lot been better, better the better. second time coming back in. So I think there's – and Logan Thomas is getting back to what he was. Right. You know, and so I think there's some things that are that are coinciding with this rise, and you got a guy operating the controls who knows your offense right. and who's, you know, who's keeping things on schedule. Yeah, and and, and so, again, like all those things, it, it makes it hard to separate Heineke as, right. a, as its own variable. But I do think guys like him. I think yeah, they like yeah. to play for him. And I think they, they enjoy being around him and – that's an important variable too, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that he does – he's at the helm when you win a big game like the one against Philadelphia, it breeds a certain amount of confidence in that group. And how, how how significant was his impact on that game? I think a lot of people at the national level would say not very. But I think when you look at the third downs, like he's yep. throwing for a lot of those and he's making <laughs> yes. those plays. He's anticipating the throws. So credit to him, kudos to him, right, for, for that. But also I love that you mentioned Logan Thomas getting healthy. He kind of looked like himself for the first time yes, last week. Did. B. Rob's getting back. Trey Turner looks healthy, right? That O line's kind of finding some level of cohesion. So all those things are part of it. Um, and he's just the guy at the helm. I do think it'll be really interesting to see this week against Atlanta because I think Atlanta is going to be a really kind of good litmus test um, in a way that you know Philadelphia, in a way that Houston wasn't in terms Why of presenting their own. I think because they are a team that is going to try and punch you in the face 
they they know who they are, right? And I know this team has been very good at stopping the run, but no one we've played this year outside of Tennessee has majored in it to the same level as Atlanta. Right. They know they are going – they live and die by running the football. They have excellent backs. Um, Cordell Patterson is in an explosive play waiting to happen. Algiers is a physical, hard-nosed runner. The backup, the third-string guy who gets a lot of touches, number 42, is like built like a fire hydrant. And they are going to make you earn it, right? They've got a big – the physical fast offensive line and a fullback that blocks tight ends that block the receivers block. Right. It's, it's, it's one of those games where like put your mouthpiece in, put another roll of tape on your wrists because there's no, it's like, it's like a fight where you know what they're going to do. And it's like, can you stop it? And I think this team's capable of it, but it's, it's a different type of test than Houston, different type of test of Philly, right? It's really going to say you're the best run defense in, in the league. Let's see it because we're, we're going to do it regardless. And, and I'll get to that in a minute, too, sticking with the Logan Thomas situation, because there were a couple of throws that Taylor made the other day that were absolute trust throws. Yes. And and yes. like that, that's when you know you're going. I will say there were a couple of times early in the game where I saw some guys like Logan was one of them. One time was Jahan Dawson. I'm like, it's there. <laughs> I know you know probably what I was talking yeah. about, but – he did, but he did get them late in the game. There were two or three trust throws. Yeah. Those are big now because like he has that with Terry, has that with Logan. I mean, that's that's a big key for them. I think 100%. And I think, you know, as much as we want to talk about X's and O's, there is a pers- interpersonal relationship. And, and Logan and Thomas, or Logan and Taylor are like really, really tight. Yeah. And I think you see that. I think, you know, like, you know, obviously the corner to, to Logan where he kind of throws it you know, in that cover two look and understanding the angle Logan's going to come out. That's a big deal, right? The, the slant to Terry, understanding how Terry's going to run the route, the dig to Terry on the first completion, Terry kind of throttles in the hole a little bit. And Taylor puts the ball out before he even see they, he knows that about Terry, right? The out, he knows the depth of it, right? Like Logan Thomas on the check down, understanding where he's going to be. All that stuff is significant. It's important. And that's something that, again, you know, it's interesting because I think Jahan's production with Taylor has come down a little bit. I think, He's still coming back from the injury, not quite 100%. But one of the things about Carson that I found fascinating was he had excellent chemistry with Jahan. Yes. So Jahan's, Jahan's production was excellent. But his chemistry with the rest of the playmakers on the offense was somewhat lacking, I thought, at times. And here you kind of see the, the, the reverse. You see a guy who's got great chemistry, great understanding of each individual person, and you see how that ability to be kind of the consummate point guard at the quarterback position elevates those positions, even if it's a slight elevation, you know, right. even if it's not like they're going for a thousand yards every game or whatever, it's a slight tick and how, how that affects the offense's production. And I think like, you know, it's funny too, because with Logan and there was one play and this is, I don't know that I'm making more of it than it is, but I also think it's a, a familiarity with offense, patience, calm in the pocket, right. a little crosser to Terry that got like, it was a nine yard game. Yeah. But, what I liked about that play is, first of all, the design because Logan runs right at the linebacker. Yes. Linebacker's got to cheat a step or two inside, but Taylor's got to be patient and let Terry clear that. But because of all that, he gets an advantage, and that's nine yards. If you throw it just a little bit early, it's a four-yard gain, and right. it's a big play. I mean, it's a five yards are a big deal in this league. Yeah, it is. And, it's, and again, I go back. Like, five yards in this offense is gigantic. Right. Because it keeps you on schedule. Right. It allows you to convert. And I think, um, you know, like the margin for error we talked about is very small. They're a holding penalty away from punting. They're a, you know, a a drop pass away. But because of some of the stuff Taylor's been able to do, and I think, you know, this identity that that they've been able to establish with this duo run that they're talking about, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But getting that identity in the run game has been huge. 
and and just kind of fleshing out conceptually who they want to be from an offensive standpoint and getting a person back there who's I, I'm going to give them the game manager uh, you know moniker. I don't mean that in a bad way because it allows you to execute your offense, stay on the field and elevate your defense and let your special teams play at a high level. So I think that that is extremely important. And the timing elements are very cool. Like going back to the Philadelphia game, like one of my favorite throws of the season so far from him was when Curtis catches that in cut over the middle of the field, right? You get a clear by Logan Thomas. He's uh, Curtis is number oh, two. Yeah, yeah. And so the linebacker is right in the middle of the field. He's got Curtis covered up, but understanding the concept, Taylor's got a guy in his face and throws it to the spot, understanding how the concept's supposed to defeat the coverage called, and that ends up being a big play. And those are the types of things that he brings that, again, will never really show up on a stat sheet, but they are elevating this group. And, um, you know, you know, like you said, he's one bad game away from not being the yeah. starter. But I think those are things that, that I look at and say those are nice additions at the position. I don't know why we always say it, but we always see the flaws. I think some people think, oh, you're praising him. He's, like, he's not Joe Montana. We know that. Yeah, but yeah. it's what he's doing for this offense. And by the way, the game manager, every quarterback in the NFL has to manage the game. Right. It's just what level can you do it at? <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. but like, looking at that at the run game, because you said it earlier, and I agree, like, what I'll tell people, it's, it's not dynamic, but it's efficient and it's effective. Yeah. So what are you seeing that's – because it's funny, because even the other day, like, there were times where I, I think John Bates is a terrific blocker. I felt he was inconsistent on Sunday yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, but, you know, I think, like, Trey Turner has been solid. So when – I think Cosme has been good against the run when he's in there, really good. And really good. So, you know, I think there's some improvement there. But what are you seeing with it? Because, again, is it to me it looks like there's still a lot of room for improvement, but they're still being effective and efficient while getting there. Yeah, and I think a little bit of it's just kind of understanding who they want to be, right? Early in the year, I felt like they were running a lot of a lot more RPO stuff and stuff that they weren't necessarily executing at a very high level. Like when you watch, I'm going to go back to Atlanta because I've watched a lot of Atlanta already, right? It's very crisp. Like everyone in the stadium knows what you're going to do, but also the offense knows what you're going to do. And they can execute at a high level versus multiple fronts, right? right. They understand the calls, they understand the execution. And so they've really leaned into this duo run, right? And they get to it in a multitude of different ways, but it's the same run, right? Essentially, like it'd be run out of like a two tight end set to the right normally. And they would just kind of double team across and, uh, and it's a great run. But now they kind of cross if they motion to it they 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 use it kind of one guy as like a fullback almost and it looks almost like a counter but it's this dual run which allows your offensive lineman to get into double teams and puts your tight ends in a good position to get successful and because they run it out of kind of different pre-snap structures it helps in terms of giving an advantage and not tipping your hand to the defense and then the other thing with that post-snap movement the flash blocks the inserts all that stuff that they can do off of it it helps your play action game so I don't want to say it's that one run by itself, right. but that has really changed who they are. Like if you look at in the gotta have it situations for them running the football, they're running duo. They're running duo out of this like sift action with the fullback leaning up inside and the backs are reading it at a high level. So again, the comfort level of the back is important. The comfort level of the offensive line, they're targeting it correctly and they're executing it. Right. And now how sustainable is that moving forward? We'll see because teams are going to start keying on that a little bit more. But I do think that if I was going to point to one thing, it's that understanding of that specific run and then how they're getting to it from multiple different personnel groupings and multiple different formations. With with Washington, because to me, the, the the one the things I like about this run game is, it, again, I think some of the dynamic stuff comes from Curtis Samuel running right. the ball. Mm -hmm. And I love like, 
one of my favorite plays was that jet touchdown. And yeah. mainly because of, and I thought this was going to happen where they're going to fool the eyes a lot. They got yeah. so much motion and movement. And when you watch the play, the defensive end jumps up and Sam is already by him. And the end had no idea. And then the linebackers are going with Gibson. And so yeah. it creates that, it creates that one-on-one situation on the outside where he just makes one move and now you're now it's a touchdown. But so they have a varied run game, but I also like how Antonio Gibson has been right. I liked how he yeah. ran su- Sunday too. And, you know, I think that's been another key, but you know, where do you feel like this run game can improve? Because again, there's, when you watch, like it's somebody's not always getting to the linebacker for whatever reason, yeah. you know, there's sometimes guys unaccounted for it for whatever reason, you know, and sometimes it's missed block because the other guys get paid too, as we know, but yeah. so what are you seeing and where can they improve? Well, I'm really glad you brought up the motion thing because I thought that was a really nice wrinkle yeah. that Scott put in because, you know, on first, second down, we knew Houston was going to play a lot of man-to-man coverage, right? And so motions and pre-snap motions, post-snap movement makes it very, very challenging to play man coverage and fit runs effectively. So, you know, there's a couple runs and I, you know, like where Scott was able to exploit that, right? And you mentioned Gibson. I think Gibson had an excellent day. I also think understanding like what Gibson does well has been nice, right? Kind of speaking to the back skill set um, you know, speaking to B Rob's skill set, speaking to Gibson's skill set, but not tipping it off, I think has been extremely advantageous. And you mentioned, you know, the offensive line not always getting to combinations. And I think that's one of the things about running this duo run, for example, is when you do that, you let the back kind of say, make us right. Right. And so that is, um, that's been something that I think is good because you have two backs who are capable of elevating that group, right. especially if they understand the reads and understand the, the structure of the defense. And I think they do right now. And so I think that's something, but yeah, I'm, I'm a, when it comes to the run game, John, we've talked about this a lot. I'm an, ex, I'm an extremely fastidious person. And sometimes when I see it, I'm like, this is not targeted correctly. Right. This, the angle here does not support an effective down for the, for the offense. So those are some things I'd like to see clean up. But I will say, you know, I mentioned all the motion and the the, the pre-snap motion, the post-snap motions to kind of get to this duo structure. That has been advantageous. So they are obviously thinking about that. They're self-scouting and they're improving in that, in that area. It'll just be interesting to see like what the run game looks like when a team says, oh, well, we know they run duo out of this. Let's knock this in the teeth. So, um, but yeah, I think those are all kind of the factors that are elevating. Um, but again, like the targets are still, they've gotten better but that can always improve. And then obviously how do you put your guys in the best position to get to your blocks? Right. Cause sometimes you just call a run right. and the defensive structure is not good. And uh, so again, that, that would be the other thing I'd kind of keep my eye on. Yeah, and, there, and you're right. Cause like, you know, when you, when you watch a guy know how to press the whole set of blocks and I, cause I always go back to Alfred Morris cause I thought he was terrific with yeah. being able to press the hole instead of a block and you get the guy to move. Now you're cutting back. But you give the guy a better angle to get the to get the guy. Sometimes you see that. Sometimes you see a guy wanting to do that, but then there's penetration backside, so you can't. So the guy on the outside looks like he lost his block, but the reality is it was going to be cut up, and you couldn't do it because you had to take a wider angle. So there's a lot of things that with that. But I think the commitment to it, and then the mm-hmm. ability to convert on third downs, has allowed them to grind out these games. And again, yeah. hit them with the occasional jet to Curtis Samuel or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I, I like the word you use there, grind, because it is a little bit of a grind. It's not this sleek running game 
like like you see sometimes in Tennessee or you see in Cleveland or even you see in Atlanta at times it's it's a it's a grind it's like the, it's muddy it's messy it's murky but you got backs you can break tackles and you got big offensive linemen who can move a pile and get you to three and a half yards of carry and right. um I think as they get more comfortable with their identity which is relatively new I mean I think this this kind right. of you know this this shift toward this kind of gap scheme run with no puller has been um has been relatively recent so as they get more you know like think about like um tennessee or atlanta like they've they knew who, they know who they are from training camp this is a little bit of a newer development and i think as they get more familiar maybe they get cleaner because they have gotten cleaner as the weeks have gotten on right. so it'll it, that'll be interesting to keep it on and the other thing about the duo play is it's helped their play action game tremendously yeah because the, the motion and the movement again forces those linebackers to step up in a more aggressive way which has helped uh, cultivate some throwing lanes too and that's that's how they got terry on that dig I and mean, the linebackers flying up and there's nobody and they're they're sprinting back and it's like it's right. too late man sorry too late. <laughs> you know um but i also like you know you watch robinson had a three-yard run the other day it was a beautiful run because he should have been stopped for two yards for a loss and gibson <laughs> gibson gibson had a couple runs where you know you create um i, I put one on instagram where it's like it was well blocked and there was a combination of well blocked and then, you know, tight ends, all of them. And then Gibson with some good vision, some good cuts, and then finishing with power and two hands on the ball. So I think, I think like. Was it the run at the end of the game? The last yeah, one? Like, yeah, that was an excellent run. It was, excellent a, run. it was, but it was everything. It was, it was well executed on multiple levels and it, you know, and Gibson finished very well. So that was something that you like to see defensively. What has surprised you most maybe over the last five, five, six weeks? probably the development of the secondary you know how that group has just been so cohesive you know benjamin st juice i think we knew he was a good player i think you know you and i have talked about how much we like him yeah but to see him playing like with this level of like you know guarding justin jefferson guarding aj brown like guarding the team's number one brandon cooks is no slouch in his own right at receiver uh -huh. right so i think uh that's been really cool to see and just how that addition Forrest coming into the lineup moving Bobby McCain to nickel like I kind of forgot that he could do that but he's done an excellent job of you know being physical in the run game making tackles and uh to me that's been you kind of knew the pieces were there but to see it come together like this so dramatically and so definitively over the last three or four weeks has been uh pretty cool why is Deron Payne and Allen are, have been phenomenal yeah. It feels like Duran has kind of elevated his game this year. Now we yeah. know the contract's coming up. Have <laughs> you seen a different in his difference in his game, or is it just opportunities? What what do you what do you I mean again? He was a good player before, but he seemed to be playing at a higher level. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the opportunity is a huge factor, right? And like when you don't have a guy who's taking away from your third down pass rush reps and Matt Ioannidis, I think that's a gigantic oh. deal. I think the addition of a guy like John Ridgeway that in the Cinco package takes you out of being the nose. Like the yeah. nose and the most nose in the single front is the worst position on, yes. in that whole thing. <laughs> so you want to be playing three technique. And so he had to play nose last year. Yeah. And and Ioannidis was a three technique. Now he's in a position in that front where he gets to make more plays. And so um, obviously being in on pass rushing downs, I think allows him to show his athleticism and his, his dexterity as a rusher. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely elevated his game, but I do think it coincides with just being on the field more and the staff putting him in more advantageous situations because you don't have a guy like um, Ioannidis here taking reps away from you. And I think with, you know, with Ridgeway, that's what they were hoping Mathis would do right. for Payne as well. Because when they drafted us, like, well, you know, and, and let me let me be clear. If Tim settles here, he ain't playing that role. 
yeah. Deron Payne is. So that's why they went out and got Mathis, and it's why they liked Ridgeway right. and claimed him. And Ridgeway, Ridgeway maybe shouldn't throw guys down the way he did. <laughs> but you know what? Like I think I love his attitude yeah. and his on the field. Like he understands who he is. He's yeah. you know, and and um He's, he's a big he's a big bully of a man, and that's yeah. what you need playing nose guard in the NFL. You need a guy yes. who's gonna eat eat double teams, throw throw other big men around, and he's done that. And so kudos to him and kudos to the staff for finding him. But again, it that ability to put him in there and you know, take like think about when um against Detroit, for example, they had Duran playing nose, Allen playing three technique, and FAO right. Bada playing three technique. Now that looks totally different. So I do think that, again, the addition of one person sometimes, even if they're not the best nose guard of all time, uh, can elevate the other guys, which elevates that package. And again, Payne deserves a ton of credit. He, I think, is also being a little bit more adventurous in his approach. Like what I mean by that is he's willing to make plays, willing to take chances that he wasn't necessarily willing to do last year. And it makes sense as to why because he wasn't playing that much, right? right? So now he's in the flow of the game and he feels comfortable doing some of that stuff, which is great. And I'm glad you brought up McCain. I kind of think he's been an unsung hero. And he yeah. had a couple of plays the other day. Every game he's got these where he's very quick to recognize things up there. He's quick, and he, but he plays he plays bigger than he is. And he right. had one play the other day where Pierce gets dropped for like a one-yard gain, but he comes up hard and takes on the, the lead Nails blocker. the fullback. Nails Yeah, him. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like it was early in the game, but like he's a smaller guy, but like his – I just I, – I find him to be an unsung hero in the secondary. Yeah, and I think like that play to me is an excellent example of of kind of the pieces that have grown up over mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. And so he he absolutely chins that fullback, who is a physical fullback, which is a tough thing to do. John Ridgeway beats the center across his face, yep. taking on two players, and Jamin Davis is hit in on the tackle, right? So there you see kind of all these pieces. It's not Alan Payne on this down. It's those guys who are elevating themselves and making those plays. And obviously – you cannot give Allen and Payne enough credit. Like they deserve right. every every bit of press they're getting. Like, I, I I mean, you've been around the game much longer than me, John, but I cannot think of a duo that has been playing better football than them. Two guys on the same team at the same time playing inside that are just dominant, they dominant are, as, against the run and against the pass. And they're working very well. That group it works so well together. Which when I want to bring up this one is Chase Young coming back. Yes, because one of the strengths of this group has been. You know, they're very talented and they were talented last year. And you'd see games where I'm like, oh, this guy had a good play, but I don't think the group had a good game. You right. saw like guys have good games, but not as a group. They're doing that as a group. So for Young to come back, and not that everything like it's not like he was the world's most unselfish player last year. I'm not saying that, but the group was not playing as well. Right. Now they are. So when he comes back in, what's what does he have to do? What's the challenge for him to kind of integrate into that whole structure yeah that's a really good question john and i think it's something that i've been kicking around a lot because as much as you want to say he's oh he's significantly better than james he's significantly better than casey he's significantly significantly better than fa those three guys fa a little bit of an outlier here do what they're supposed to do in the defense they play off of john allen uh or, or john allen Payne, and sweat they they know how they fit in the rush and they're okay with that. They're a role player. They're you're like your six man off the bench. They understand they can score you some points, get some pressures, get some sacks. But they understand how they fit in. And I think one thing about getting a guy like Chase back is all the chemistry that this group has cultivated, which you see, you see it on their rushes. You see them kind of filling in for each other. You see Allen getting high in his rush, and you see 
Casey ducking back inside, or you see uh, Payne picking for sweat and he ends up getting a pressure. That stuff is stuff that comes with time and reps. And so when you put that piece back in, I think there's going to be some growing pains, quite frankly, because, you know, like they've worked on that a lot and that you can tell and it's paid dividends and he hasn't been around for off season or training camp. So I don't think it's going to be this, you know, revolutionary thing for the defense. I think obviously you want good players on the field and you want him to build the chemistry with those guys. But I do think it's going to take some time to kind of work yeah. through some of that stuff. And I think it would take time regardless because he yes. hasn't played. I mean, right. you know, and I the one thing I think that helps him is that he knows he hasn't played. So mm. just do your job and don't like I thought last year he was trying. I think they were trying all trying much. to do something. But this year it's like you and the one thing with Chase, like that guy is he's always in the locker room. He's always with these guys. He's the first one on the field to congratulate guys. You know, you see him doing all like he's as excited after the Eagles game, he was a guy as excited as anybody. So he's very, it's not like he's some off by himself, like right. just all about, so that's not about that. And you put the talent with that, but regardless, the time missed is difficult yeah. to do when you're coming into the season, when they've already established something. So it just, you know, but if he does it, he's going to really benefit. And so will they, the, the when he gets to that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. And I, yeah, again, like it's just about them work, getting reps together, working on that opportunity. You know, I had a conversation with a defensive line coach, um, one of my buddies from a different team. And he was basically saying like, to get that level of chemistry, it just takes reps. Like we, yeah. we try to coach it, we try to remind it, but he, you know, Chase hasn't been here for that. Right. It's so hard. it's going to be tough. And so it'll be interesting to see like how, how quickly he develops that relationship with those other rushers and, understands how he fits within the context of the defense because while he makes while he is a special talent you know he's yes. a generational talent he's a very good football player like it's a team game for a reason yeah. and uh it's going to take some time to to figure that out i think it, it will and and it's like it's okay if it does because he's missed a lot of time and they're going to use him situationally whenever he comes back which is smart so you put him in situations where you can get the most out of what he can do right, right. now and that's smart and so i think he'll I think he can still be productive. I just I'm curious to see where this goes because if once it clicks from it, it may not be till next year. We don't know, but I think it'll be. So last thing, then, what do you see for this team going forward? Do you do you like what could happen over the next four, five, six, seven weeks? Yeah, of course I like what can happen, and I think you know you look around the league and the trend of like running the football to insulate kind of average quarterback play with teams with good defenses is prevalent. It's very common, but you also see that it's it's the reason teams don't do this or employ this philosophy more often is because it's very hard to be consistently successful with it. Like um, we mentioned Atlanta, but also the giants, like they lost to Detroit, right? Detroit was able to put up some points and um, the defense wasn't able to hold the bag and the offense couldn't keep pace. Right. So that's something that you run the risk of. And if you look at the, look at the remaining schedule, right? Um, obviously Atlanta is not going to put up a million points, but they can score. Um, Dallas can score some points. I think uh, Washington's defense, defense matches up really well. I think the Giants game is going to be an absolute slugfest because they're very similar in terms of philosophy. Then you get San Francisco and Cleveland. And Cleveland's defense is not good, but their offense is pretty solid. And San Francisco's offense, we saw what they can do last night, you know, when they're really coached up and ready to go. So it's going to be a challenge to kind of maintain this offensive identity. But I think with how well the defense is playing, with the efficiency, if the efficiency continues to improve in the run game, if Taylor can ride this, cannot kind of regress into this low level of, play variance which he's done in his past i think the opportunities are there but they're going to be close games yeah. they're going to be close and kind of last possession types games yes you know this is not the kansas city chiefs who can walk in and blow people out scoring 35 points every week 
it's going to be a very different type of winning. But are they capable of doing some things in the last you know quarter of the season here? I think absolutely. You see these wild games every week because it's. I think the parity is there. Logan, tell people where they can get you. First of all, I'm going to recommend people to watch your segments on on Instagram, but I want you to tell them where they can get it because the stuff with Ron Rivera is really, really good because you both are very good at describing game action. Your stuff with Fred Smoot, always terrific. Where can they find you on there? Yeah, so obviously my Instagram is Logan underscore Paulson82. I've tried to post some stuff there. And then obviously uh, the um, the command center stuff with Julie, which is on YouTube. Uh, that's 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 been a lot of fun to do. And that's where a lot of my content is, is through the team. So... Definitely check that out on the YouTube page. Thanks, Logan. You're the best. Thanks, Sean.